Hello and welcome to this Business of Possibility podcast with Ulster University Business School. In this series, we've been taking a long, hard look at business here in Northern Ireland and in the global context. And in this episode, we're looking at one of the key issues, leadership. I have a great panel with me today, sitting in Ulster University's brand new campus, right in the heart of Belfast. Firstly, Justin Urquhart-Stewart, business commentator and co-founder of Seven Investment Management. Great to have you here, Justin. Thank you, real pleasure. Uh, Beside Justin, we have Professor Gillian Armstrong, Associate Dean Development and Partnerships Domestic at Ulster University Business School. And great to see you, Gillian, too. Thank you. And Kevin Kelly, co-owner of the Management and Leadership Network. And it's great to have you here as well. Kevin. Thanks, Randy. In the next half hour or so, maybe a little bit more, we're going to explore leadership trends and what this means for managers and leaders here in Northern Ireland. And Justin, I'm delighted that uh, those who are watching this can see that you're wearing the trademark red braces. (laughs) If you're only listening, you're really missing something, believe me. But um, you describe yourself as a businessman, market commentator, and the world's worst, worst barrister. I can't believe that for a moment. But, truly, um, truly terrible. Some of my clients are looking forward to getting out of it quite soon. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about yourself and, and give us a bit of foresight, if you could, into the global economic landscape uh, such as it is at the moment. Well, yes. and uh, well, I've been involved, I suppose, in investments around the world. Very luckily, I mean, a lot of it was in the Far East, some was in Africa. Mm, don't think I'll repeat that again. Um, but uh, I actually spent a lot of time out in the Far East and then back in the city of London and throughout uh, the whole of the United Kingdom and getting involved in some of the regional stock exchanges and sadly seeing them go, trying now to actually try and get them restarted again. Not as they were, but nonetheless, trying to get more investment because despite what people say, there's still an awful lot of investment money around. It's just that someone took the plumbing away. So it's actually quite difficult to get the money from where it is into where we need it. But that can be fixed. So my career, I suppose, I've been very lucky. As they always say, surround yourself with people who are brighter than you. In my case, that's quite easy. Um, and so actually having seven investment management, it was great being able to set that up. My last business was taken over by Barclays Bank which is a real shame because that was a waste of a very good business. But at least that teaches you how not to run a business. I mean, it, it's such an interesting time at the moment, isn't it? There's such a huge amount of uncertainty, uh, not just for, for businesses, but for people personally as well, who really have a lot of questions about everything from the climate to how they're going to pay for their heating, how much their mortgages are going to cost, all of that kind of stuff. So, with all of that in mind, what trends are you seeing globally and, and how do you see those impacting on the future of what we're talking about mm. today, which is leadership? Uh, you're absolutely right. Some of it is horrific. We've got a war. No, we've got all sorts of hideous things. As you say, people with personal issues with their gas and electricity payments and things like that. Very, very uh, painful for people. But on the other hand, we can also talk ourselves into doom and gloom because despite all of this, even though that China's slowing down, even though that um, the, the global economy has gone through some amazing issues over the past few years, from a banking crisis, a pandemic, um, all those issues, and then having a war, um, and let's find ourselves in a position where the global economy is still growing. It's slower. Some of it will go into recession. Recession does not mean doom. But the question is, we can either talk ourselves into doom and gloom, in which case what we do is go and get ourselves a very, very large um, case of of Jameson's and go and find a cave somewhere. (laughs) If, however, you don't think it's doom and gloom, sit down and say, right, now what's going to happen? It's going to be difficult, but we find our way through it. And there are 
there are lights, lights, there were certainly, it's a tunnel and there are lights at the end of the tunnel. Next year, things will start to improve eventually. So it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, that's really interesting because I think there, there is such a, an all-pervasive doom and gloom, uh, and particularly, I think, for many young people who just mm. don't see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't know how you, how does one get that message across and 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 open up maybe the horizon so that they can see that there isn't just this one ghastly future that they have their eye on, but actually yep. there are lots of alternatives. Well, things have changed not only from the days of old farts like me being in business, when basically it was run by large corporations and large banks and things like that. Um, now, of course, everyone's got smaller businesses. Everyone has the opportunity, and many are now becoming entrepreneurial. That didn't happen in my day. My mother asked me what I want to do, and I said, I want to have my own business. She said, oh, my heavens, you want to go into trade. You realise we have a separate door for that. Um, (laughs) And that was the sort of the attitude. That's changed. Yes, there are all sorts of now other awful issues like climate change and things like that. But people now have far more alternatives to try and have choices and actually go down one path, realise they don't want to do that, change, go down another path. The technology, which my generation doesn't understand, I have trouble with the light bulb, um, and but they are just so far ahead with this. And what's so impressive is how this can give them changes. Use that to their benefit. Kevin, the, the Management and Leadership Network has reached a significant milestone recently and congratulations on the 20 years. Um, so much has changed in that period. I mean, so much has changed in the last three years, never mind the 17 before that. Tell us a bit about the network and from your experience, how leadership and management development has evolved in Northern Ireland over the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, the Management Leadership Network exists to connect local managers and leaders with the the thinking of of world-class performers and internationally renowned thought leaders. And the network is resourced by eight, what we consider to be premium brands in their disciplines, also University Business School being our, our academic partner and, and why we're sitting here in this fantastic campus. In terms of how management and leadership development has changed, I mean, Wendy, you'll know to look at me that I haven't been around for the full two decades, but... Uh, in the mid-2000s, one of the early phrases that I would have heard was the supply side isn't supplying and the demand side isn't demanding when it comes to, to leadership development. I don't think that was particularly true then, but it's certainly not true now. The supply side in Northern Ireland when it comes to leadership development is is genuinely world-class. Is the demand side demanding enough? I'm not quite sure. I don't know if it's if it's recognised by by business leaders, by SME owners, that investing in your leadership capability and capacity will directly impact your bottom line. I think there is there is reasonable awareness of that, but it could be much greater. And part of MLN's job is to encourage local managers and leaders to invest in their own development so that their businesses can grow, their confidence can grow, their aspiration can grow. Fast forward then from the mid-2000s to, to the last three or four years and the, the biggest change has obviously been the face-to-face or the lack of face-to-face interaction between managers and their teams. And I think that from what our champions are telling us and from what our members are telling us is, is a big challenge. 
I remember what I was like coming out of university or doing my placement year in university. I went into Diageo to, to, to do my placement year and me going into Diageo at the beginning of year three and me coming out of Diageo at the end of year three, the edges were rounded out. That experience was invaluable, but it had to be face to face, learning how to conduct yourself in an office. And I think the concern from a lot of our members is the loss of that face-to-face. How you can develop future leaders remotely is a challenge. So those are the two big developments, one at the, the beginning of the journey with MLN and, and one towards the end. I wonder when, when you were talking there about the, the demand side, maybe not being demanding enough, I mean, um, is there pushback from the companies that, that you deal with? Uh, do, do they do they not get the the advantages of training what what is what is their problem with it i suppose is what i'm wondering i think the the, the term busyness you know working in the business rather than on the business and and that 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 long standing challenge between the urgent and the important investing in your management and leadership capability is rarely going to be at the top of your urgent priority list. It's going to be servicing clients. It's going to be dealing with, with problematic staff issues. It's going to be paying the bills, if you look at the environment that they're operating in at the minute. And often the urgent can trump the important. And investing in, in the management and leadership capability of themselves as owner managers, but also of the next generation of, of leaders coming through their team can often fall by the wayside and that's a that's a great shame and that's often the message that comes through whether it be from some of our our uh, international thought leaders or some of the local leaders who have who have broken through that that ceiling who have who have started to trade and compete in new markets and win in new markets thankfully they share their story and the value of investing in in management and leadership development as a key differentiator for them growing. Gillian, I'm going to get you in in a moment to tell us a bit about the emerging trends that you're seeing in higher education space and management and leadership development. But just to pick up what Kevin was talking about there, I mean, that's borne out by research which your own uh, economic policy centre here at Ulster University uh, has published suggesting that the skill levels of managers here are below their international peers and that that's a, a kind of continuing constraint for, for business here. And one of the things that I wondered was how frustrating is it that there's a sort of dog in the manger attitude, isn't there? Sometimes, you know, we don't want to train them because then somebody else will pinch them. I mean, well, you know, how short-sighted is that? <laughs> well, um, it, it's certainly, you know, it, it's an evolving space um, for sure. And I, I think the last few years, uh, although it has been very difficult, Kevin, um, in terms of remote working, I think it also has maybe presented some opportunities um, for upskilling and reskilling. Um, so, you know, maybe to give some examples on this, um, we've worked very closely with local government in terms of upskilling initiatives. Um, that has worked very well in terms of 
maybe some individuals um, and some small businesses felt that they had a little bit more time than normal and they were able to avail of those new opportunities to to upskill at a certain time. And it maybe has given confidence in certain places that there are different models out there at the moment of management leadership development um, that um, we can be flexible. And I think maybe that's the key, um, that we are very aware that we do need to be listening to business. And I know for us, the Management Leadership Network is a really important one for us to get really close to business, to to listen, to see where are the needs, where are the challenges, um, are there certain delivery models that we need to look at um, to really start to respond to that. Um, so it's, um, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, some trends at the moment we are noticing is that the organisational development piece where some organisations are using a leadership and development programme to almost progress some of their strategic development. Um, and they're finding that that opportunity to bring a management team together socially and the social learning space has been dramatically uh, beneficial for them in terms of business impact. I thought it was interesting too, from that research that's been done, that... Um, Obviously, that you know, it shows that training enables leaders to be more adaptable to change, and goodness me, they've needed to 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 do that over the last few years, and that COVID had a bigger impact than Brexit on increasing leadership capacity uh, of managers here. I mean, there are some fantastic examples of people who did just amazing things, aren't there? Oh, you know, we've great, you know, case studies, um, you know, transformational pieces. Um, I think for individuals that used that period um, to, to upskill and almost, you know, get a little taster of maybe coming back to a university education and what it can do. Um, having said that, I think it also has presented us um, with a different perspective in that um, we have various, you know, a whole range of programs at the moment from fully online to blended to fully face-to-face social learning, but working closely with um, sectors and organisations to, to get that model right that does suit their workforce. Um, probably for us, growth areas would be you know, can be around that designing learning almost in the workflow. So whether that's part-time study, whether that's apprenticeships, organisational development type programmes, that we, we do need to be really agile to try and work in tune with business, um, that it's maybe less time out of the business, uh, but showing business impact really quickly. In- you're being very modest, I think, the university, if I might say so, because, uh, you know, you basically threw the doors open, <laughs> if I could put it like that, in the business school and said, you know, you're all having a really tough time. Get in touch with us if we can help you. And lots of companies, once they got over there, I suppose, you know, if every, since everyone was in the same boat, nobody was embarrassed to do it. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think culturally for us, you know, that that is what we are about certainly within the business school at Ulster. But that allowed us great insight at that time to to really get a sense of where need was, what was happening, where the shifts were. And I think that has, that's been beneficial for us too. Um, we're always updating curriculum, looking at new programmes, short courses. So all of that learning was important because we're obviously in a very different environment than we were two, three years ago. 
Um, so that, that was really useful insight for us as well. How important, Justin, is really good leadership? In, and, and where there, there were, maybe there were clearer times when there were people to whom you looked for the right qualities in life of, of you know, um, uh, it's hard to find that now uh, in so many different ways. But how important is it that you have leadership that is clear and transparent and honest and that you can trust? And that's the key thing. You can trust. You want to admire leadership and find someone say, I, I admire that person or that team, what they're doing. Um, and I want to learn from that. And I want to be able to take maybe a stage further. And yet, unfortunately, when we look around the world, you know, there are some absolute, well, look at some of the politics we have to deal with. But then you look at some of the younger business people. And it's fascinating now when you look at some of the tech businesses and suddenly these glorious tech businesses are making big mistakes and suddenly having to fire huge percentages of their staff. Why? Because, well, they were genius. They were brilliant. They could, they could do no wrong last year. And suddenly they've all come down to earth with a crash. Um, and suddenly, so um, being a tech genius isn't necessarily means you're a management or a leadership genius. They had to learn very quickly indeed. Um, and I think that's what's so fascinating. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a continuous process. And what I find fascinating with smaller businesses is that actually you're teaching the team and often the team is, they're going to be with you for a period of time. And I know in my business, they would go on to something else. And I was actually quite proud of that because they went on to go and maybe have their own business. And maybe I helped teach them that, but they went on to that next sort of stage. And so it was a continuous process of going through. And I found I was having to learn. I was having to learn different language of how, how to do things because actually the next generation comes through. And of course, their technical knowledge is a world apart from mine. Um, and yet I want to try and make sure the business achieves certain things. I'm going to have to rely more on them. So it's almost reversing the leadership back saying, right, as a leader, can you then tell me actually what do you think we need to be able to do and actually you know, bring that back in. That's a two-way street as well, Kevin, isn't it? You know, and actually what Justin was just talking about there is very much what, what seems to be going on in a lot of very successful businesses now where you have those younger people coming in who do have the tech skills to whom they come kind of automatically. They've been using phones and so on since, since they were in nappies virtually. But then you have to have, you do have to have experience and, uh, people to whom they can look for the other parts of, of what you need to have a successful company. And maybe, as Justin says, then, you know, to, to have a company that you're proud to have worked for and to move on to the next thing. I, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the wisdom piece is, is often overlooked, that, that hard-won wisdom that you can only get by or through through years of experience and for 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 young people who are who are exceptional potential for example when it comes to technical skills the the ability to soak up that that leadership experience that that wisdom is is absolutely invaluable and to combine their their technical capabilities with with the the leadership lessons from their managers and leaders within their own firm is something that will massively influence their trajectory. That's a really, a really rich blend. The the whole training thing is so crucial, isn't it? And it's something that here, um, as Ulster's uh, research has shown, people can be reluctant 
to to invest in. And yet, if you look at something like the Department of Business, Innovation and Skills figures, they show that poor management and leadership costs 19 billion annually in productivity. Now, our productivity here is... Yeah, exactly. We're all shrugging. You know, it's bad everywhere else and we're the worst of the bad, if, if that's the right way to put it. That's a, that's a depressing aspect, isn't it? How concerned are you that given that the immediate uh, environment is uh, challenging, shall we say, at the moment, that the training costs might be the ones that get cut before anything else at the moment? I think training and marketing are always the, the first to go and... I don't know if 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 that will ever change. I don't know if I'm if I'm depressed about it. I I I see examples of local businesses bucking the trend, and the more that we can showcase those businesses who are are investing, that that, that they're facing the same challenges as as every other business uh, in the land, but are are showing the bravery to invest not only their budgets but their time in developing the next generation of leaders and showing what they are achieving, it does have an impact and it does convince the the, the businesses that we are dealing with to do the same. And and there's a belief issue in, in this part of the world. And that belief issue isn't necessarily addressed when we bring when we bring world-class performers in from different parts of the planet. It's addressed when we show them about the company down the street competing and winning globally and investing in their leadership. And we do see a change in behaviour when they when they encounter that example. Gillian, have you concerns about that? Well, you know, I think, you know, at the moment, the top issue, I think, for business is, is people and skills. You know, we, we listen to that every week. I think all of us that that everyone is on the pursuit of, you know, re- recruiting the right people, gaining the right skills. That that's the battle, um, and I think it's got pretty fierce at the moment. Um, I think within that that, and, and I do think for many of the businesses we work with that they see this that, you know, to, to actually retain and and develop the right people that the the learning and development that investment is even more crucial than ever and and I do think uh, businesses are very aware of that Um, it's a very uh, positive employment market at the moment particularly for graduates um, that if you really want to to keep um, some of that really rich talent that the the development programs need to be right and, and I do think, you know, that there, there's quite good awareness of that at the moment. I think there has to be really that the market is forcing that. I know from some of the uh, FE colleges that um, they have found that uh, the change that had to be made during COVID and you were making them yourselves here, of course, at, at Ulster too, uh, with so much online learning that actually for many people who want to continue their personal development and their training through through work, rather than getting home from work, having to get back in the car and go somewhere and do a course, you can actually do it online. And um, that has, has been fantastic for, for many businesses and it's worked well for you too. Yes, um, probably for us, um, that, you know, social learning, you know, is, is very important. And I, I think for a lot of, for businesses, they, they do value that opportunity to network. Maybe it's across different sectors, 
Um, that peer learning um, is really, really important. So, you know, maybe what we're starting to see now is um, quite creative delivery models um, where, you know, certain elements will be uh, maybe left for, for online and some really innovative online learning there. Uh, but using the classroom and, and this wonderful campus to try and, um, you know, really progress on the social learning and the networking. Um, and, and that's where we're getting some really um, effective innovation as well um, amongst some of those groups. So it's, I suppose it's being flexible and, you know, being very um, smart with learning design. Lifelong learning. We used to hear about that, Justin, didn't we? When you and I were were a lot younger, um, and I, I don't know about you, but I I never thought it really applied to me. No, it was always somebody else. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I didn't need any more of that. But but I find it fascinating is that you know there's we we very easy. We often focus on technical learning, and that's good. You need technical learning, but you were quite right. You were highlighting some of these social skills that are so important, and it's very easy to lose those if you're just sitting there online the entire time. You have a certain level of social skills online, but also how do you deal? How do you talk to people? What, how, how do you react? How should you react? What works? What doesn't work? Um, now, how, you know, what mistakes can you, are you going to make? Um, and which we all will do. Um, and it's learning of other people and what worked and what didn't work. I wish I had had in years gone by more chance to actually sit there and actually sort of make those mistakes and have someone turning around saying, oh, how do you try it around this way? How do we about that? Or seen another company doing it and said, that's a good idea and shared that. We'd never shared it. No, another company was competition. That was it. Don't talk to them for heaven's sake. Um, and now it's not, I think, much more creative, but particularly because you can do it through the university. And that, that's a neutral zone. I suppose w- one of the uh, constants in life is change, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I think it speeds up sometimes, slows down at others, and uh, we're in a kind of warp drive at the moment, it would seem. Um, what does modern leadership look like then, Justin? Uh, and how can managers and leaders succeed through these current challenges? I still think good leadership is actually team leadership. Um, it's not just about having one person who is the great, fantastic individual. He or she is actually just a, such a star because actually that's not actually doing it at all. Actually realizing there's a team and you're all part of that team. There is someone leading that team. You may be taking it in turns, leading different bits of it. But then the team works together. Let's say plays together sounds a bit corny, but actually does actually end up doing more things together. Um, and getting that working properly. And I remember working for, for banks in times gone by when there was no leadership at all. You did what you were told to do. And if you didn't do that, well, you were fired. Um, and so it was utterly ridiculous. What a waste that was. Whereas the best times I've ever had is actually where I've surrounded myself with people who are bright individuals coming up with ideas and I can then flatter myself with the idea of the fact that I might be actually partially responsible for them. It's not true, but I can actually get away with that. Um, but the point is, you know, it is you also, dare I say, um, actually make it interesting, dare I even say fun, you actually turn it into something which is engaging. You want to go to work because this is something interesting and worth doing. As opposed to I go to work because I need the money, which bottom line, of course we do. But actually, you can make work better than that. And if, you have, if you're running a business and you're not doing that, you're doing something wrong. Kevin, what do you think modern leadership looks like? Oh, I think, I think it involves leading self. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Justin, completely agree about leading the team. That, that, that's fundamental. I also think, given the pressures that we're all facing we need the lead self almost first and there, there's there are obviously big issues around 
around well-being and if we're able to to lead self and and keep ourselves in the stretch zone rather than moving into the red zone which which is is no good for ourselves or our teams then that's that's a good starting point modern leadership beyond that i think there there are some some key issues uh, jillian mentioned them as well uh, attracting empowering retaining talent i think the, the, the best leaders will will excel at that and and another big issue for me and and maybe we aren't paying enough attention to it as leaders across the globe is is the code red for humanity the, the, the climate emergency and i think that is maybe the the biggest leadership issue leadership challenge of our time and it it concerns the next generation it's a big issue for the next generation it's one of the factors that they will hoist in when they're choosing which company to join not only what you're doing around leadership development but what are you doing in terms of planet friendly practices so so those are the some of the issues that i think contemporary leaders need to excel at it's a, it's a lot to be working on Gillian, isn't it and you you, you throw into that mix mm-hmm fostering inclusion and diversity in the workplace as well and, and developing those high-performing teams, you, you need to know what you're at, don't you? <laughs> you, you do. Um, you know, and I think one phrase that I came across lately I thought is really, really important at the moment on this is that, you know, having greater awareness almost of the psychological contract for people um, that, you know, I, I think everyone wants to be in a role where they have genuine purpose, that they feel they're doing meaningful work, it's contributing to something significant. And I think the more that managers and leaders can consider that, communicate that, reinforce that, um, and at the same time providing the right opportunities um, and the culture um, for lifelong learning, um, that you're actually in, investing um, in your people and they're very aware of that and that you're listening as well and trying to respond that, um, you know, ideally you always want to have people in the right places where that they are are able to be empowered and to can make their greatest contribution and sometimes that takes time. And if you look at the, the next five to ten years um, and... That's a bit of a challenge at the moment, but, but, you know, we, we do always need to be looking ahead, don't we? Um, what can managers and leaders do now to try to get ahead to, to make sure that they're not always behind the curve? Well, you know, again, I think, you know, if I was projecting forward, I think it's, it really, you know, hangs on this purposeful work. Um, and also, um, you know, keeping in mind, um, you know, in terms of skills are going to change, business needs going to change, that if the culture's right in terms of learning and development, um, it will be a little bit easier to develop those new skills or crossover skills. And I think the more that we can support um uh, you know, that multidisciplinary approach. And again, for us in education, that's really important. Um, that we are out of our silos, that we are looking ahead and that culturally that is uh, an easier step. Um, that will future proof us a little better. Kevin, what do you, what do you think? What, what, do, what would you be encouraging managers and leaders to do now to 
to get ahead of the curve. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on on the purpose piece and organisations identifying their why, and that's got to be driven by 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 leadership and allowing their 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 teams and their individuals within their teams to identify their why and give them the the environment to pursue a why that that uh, motivates them in a in a sustainable way you know in a way that they're motivated for the next 5 or or 10 years so and then the other issues that i mentioned that i think will 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 be prevalent over the next 5 or 10 years are that talent is going to continue to be a big issue and again the the, the climate emergency that i mentioned before i, I can't stress that enough yeah the climate emergency, there's a terrible tendency, I think, uh, in uh, uh, our generation, sorry to be lumping you in with me in this, Justin, but um, to say, oh, well, you know, we've really screwed this up. It's up to it's up to you guys now, which is so so completely unfair. It's yeah, what, very unfair. It's yes, what we said here in Northern Ireland for donkey's years. You know, we made a complete mess, so yeah, it's up to you. Here's the ball, your turn. Yeah, yeah. but it's our turn too, isn't it? it you know? well, we have to be seen to be doing something quite rightly about it. And there are things we can be doing. Um, and some of this is actually just in your day-to-day behaviour, uh, but also it's in terms of actually how should we be designing businesses in the future? Um, and how are those businesses are actually going to operate and how responsibly should we be? Uh, and so really trying to think really quite differently. And, and I think what is fascinating at the moment, I mean, this is sort of news happening at the moment when you're seeing the likes of um, you know, the tech companies falling to earth with fantastic examples of um, you know, not just bad leadership, but also a complete disgrace in terms of what they've been saying about their responsibility and what they're going to be doing for the environment. And it's like, now, no, it's complete ball to dash because the whole thing's actually just crashed and burned. Um, so, no, you've got to do something now which is credible. And people will say, I understand that. That's going to make sense. There's going to be a lot. It's going to be led by technology, which no, we don't understand, whether it's going to be by air cleaning and all those issues we looked at. We're looking at the moment trying to stop using all those carbon things. We understand that. But there's the other side of this. What else do we do then to start repairing? Uh, how do we do that? And in terms of our behaviour as well. And that should be part of, part of the pride of a business. We are doing things the right way. Does it mean we have to be the most profitable business? Does it mean we have to be the top of the tree the whole time? No, because I got pride in what we're doing, because we're doing the right way for what we're doing for our clients, for our staff, for society, and also for the environment. And are you hopeful that that's the case? I mean, right at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking, you were talking about not just having gloom and doom. Um, it's easy to go down that rabbit hole, actually, isn't it? So are you hopeful that that we can turn this round, that, that, that we have the capacity to, um, to, to get through the current difficulties and that we have the skills and the people uh, and somewhere the leaders who are, are going to make this work. Leave our political leaders aside, uh, but they, no, uh, yes, we do is the answer. I'm a great believer in the development of technology to be able to address these things. Once we focus the technology on what we need to be able to achieve, it's amazing what comes out. So at the moment, we're looking at, as it were, trying to stop doing things stop using gas and, um, and coal and things like that, as opposed to actually right now, what do we do to now improve things by doing things in a different way, which will now make life cleaner, easier and more stable um, and fairer as well. Because, of course, not only just we of that generation may have caused this, but we wealthy nations have also caused it. Um, and uh, so there's, it's, it's easy to say, I believe in the future of technology. Well, what is it? The answer is, I don't know. But actually, what I do believe is actually we when we focus on what the the problem is the human race does have the remarkable ability to actually come up with answers. 
Let's hope you're right. I'm sure you are. Um, look, thanks all of you so much for joining me for this podcast. Justin, Gillian and Kevin, um, thank you very much indeed. I'm Wendy Austin. This has been the Business of Possibility podcast with Ulster University Business School. We've been talking about leadership today. Make sure you subscribe to the series wherever you get your podcasts and keep an eye on Ulster University Business School's social media channels for updates and upcoming topics. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.